0: Hey guys, welcome to Journey to Truth Podcast. Tonight we have on Alex Bloom, who's a licensed psychologist for the past decade, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a Q researcher, meme expert, and yes, I said meme expert, or as Aaron puts it, God.
1: He's a meme God. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's
0: the that's God what of they memes. call me. <laughs> yeah. So just from reading your bio, uh, I learned a lot about you. I didn't know as far as the meditation practices that you've studied and you're trying to bridge uh, bridge psychology with the spirituality and make it uh, accessible for everybody to to really apply to their lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to touch on some of that in your uh, brief history of how you got involved in all that and then we can get into this awakening movement. next. Yeah,
2: yeah, that sounds good. So... Uh... Kind of a brief rundown i 've been on my spiritual path since i 've been about maybe fourteen or fifteen, and um kind of slowly came across different ideas that resonated with me and have always had just kind of this intrinsic interest in learning about spiritual traditions and just faiths that include some sort of sense of wisdom that speaks to our soul and you know I have a background in Christianity and been kind of raised with some ideas and Went to a a Christian-based high school, and so I'd had that kind of infused in my learning, um, but always felt inclined to want to expand beyond that. Um, And then college came along, and I started exploring meditation a little bit. And then in graduate school, uh, I learned about mindfulness and finally had some sort of formal name that I could put on meditation that I had been practicing kind of on my own. And then, to my surprise, there was this whole burgeoning field of research uh, that was studying mindfulness. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I can be researching this as part of my degree." You know, it was just uh, a, like a birthday present. So I focused on mindfulness for my master's thesis and then my doctoral dissertation. So I'd been pretty steeped in the research end of things and conducting my own research. And then, uh, you know, using it with clients and being able to see change there. And then, of course, having my own daily practice of mindfulness for well over a decade, kind of all three of these angles uh, made me kind of in a unique position with that. So that's kind of one uh, train of uh, my progression that had been happening. And then with this uh, book idea that started, we actually have to go back to 2006 before grad school even started. And it was in that I think winter or spring I had stumbled across this idea called law of attraction, and I had never heard of it before. And it was this idea that you know our we create our own reality. I thought, well, wow, that's interesting. And so I started learning more about it and researching. And then uh, a few months later, the movie The Secret came out. If you guys remember that, oh yeah, yep, and um, I saw it. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> I saw it and before if, my even before my awakening even when it really
1: happened. Uh huh technically that was kind of the very first thing that got me on my spiritual path, at least was okay. watching that movie. Yeah. Back yeah. in 2011,
0: I think is when I saw it. Okay. All right. yeah. And it, and it was a true secret back then. The, That's it, right. The, the yeah. Awakening. Yeah, Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It definitely and, was.
2: And so what I, the, the takeaway from that movie for me kind of planted the seed of, okay, so what the movie is basically proposing in this theory that is commonly referred to as law of attraction is that our thoughts create a reality, but that our emotions kind of act as the fuel that allows these thoughts to manifest more quickly. And then of course, what actions we take, right? If we never take any action, then you're not going to see any results. So thoughts, emotions, and actions. So I was kind of toying with that idea and playing around with it a little bit. And then that fall I start grad school and what do I learn psychology is made up of? The same three variables, right? Thoughts, emotions, and actions. And so it was this like instant click for me one day in class and I am thinking, okay, well, where are the books that are really describing these two areas? And I've been on this journey for what, 13 years now and still haven't found a source that kind of adequately covers uh, the bridge between these two ideas. So that's kind of where the initial seed for this uh, understanding came from. And then got busy in grad school and uh, had to put kind of the the book on the shelf to a certain degree, but was still kind of learning about what is psychology and and what does it mean when we look at self-transformation. And so that's kind of what I've been slowly doing in the background it's kind of trying to find some sort of hidden links. Like what are the golden threads that you see over and over and over again, even within this, the field of psychology in terms of therapy, there are over 800 identified forms of therapy. That's a lot, right? And out of those, there are a certain number of ideas that keep getting recycled over and over and over again. These are called evidence-based therapies. And in the research, uh, uh, they look at this idea called mechanisms of change, which in English means when you lift up the hood and you have some sort of intervention or a therapy that's being used, what's the main ingredient within that that creates change? And so the researchers kind of within this field are starting to really poke around and explore what these are. And so in my free time, what I've been doing is saying, okay, this is a great start, but I think there's more than what's being identified. And so that's really been my call to kind of go through and look at what are all these different uh, forms of change, whether if it's therapy or otherwise, right? Other forms of self-transformation. And so I feel at this point, I've kind of cracked the code and found these five themes. It's really exciting because then when you wrap it all together, there's really a what and a how to this whole process. So the what end of things is exploring this idea that we co-create our own reality we don't just create it and that's kind of a common misnomer and we create it with source energy and whether you call it god or uh, brahma or you know the universe it doesn't really matter sometimes i like to use the acronym uh, glue so god love the universe or energy that What, whatever word you place on this, there's an invisible sticking agent that kind of holds everything together, that's intelligent and has our best interests in mind. And so we can tap into this field and uh, we can use this to harness our best life. And so that was kind of where I was going with things. And then when Q kind came along and, and this whole great awakening movement and whatnot, it added a whole nother layer, I think, to this whole practice. And that's really exciting for me to kind of see all of this bridge together uh, because there's really three audiences um, that I'm catering to. So one is going to be the, uh, like, I'll call it mental health field or those kind of practitioners that are looking toward making change or being an instrument to help others make change that with this, Uh, understanding, they now have a background of like, okay, what are these ingredients that I can cherry pick from and use to help my clients? So that's one, because unfortunately, graduate schools uh, aren't even teaching all of these ideas. So that's one. Uh, Another audience uh, is going to be for those who are already into this understanding of uh, uh, reality creation and just wanting more tools to add to their toolbox. And so that's kind of audience number two. And then the third one here is kind of those of us that are really wanting to usher in this new earth, right? This kind of, what what does the great awakening mean? It means more than just an exposure to this power structure and, and its formal systematic destruction. It's also about what happens afterwards, see? And so that's what we really need to keep our eyes on as well. That we're seeing in real time this kind of decay of the old guard but an important question that we need to keep in mind is well what's going to happen after that and that's where we really need wayshores um, to kind of help us create that so it's a really exciting project and uh, i love working on it and about 90 percent done with organizing all of my chapters in the order that i want it to flow and then once that's finished which will probably be another week or two then I'll look into uh, recording all of this and um, putting together this package of an online course.
0: So that's, that's, nice. that's, that's, in, that's incredible, because you touched on a couple things, like the graduate schools not 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 teaching you or giving you the tools you really need to advance in life. You know you, right. get, you get so far, but then where does that take you? That's right So it's the same with any schooling. they never give you anything that really applies to life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of that
2: I've had to learn on my own, right? I mean, because uh, the graduate school program is, you know, four years of schooling, your fifth year's is an internship, and then you have to do a residency for, for several years. And a, a lot of the the academic portion of things, maybe you, you stumble across a few of these principles, but it's all theoretical. It's very ivory tower. And my frustration is so much of, of these principles, even the ones that we are exposed to, Uh, are are locked up they're locked up unless you go to some sort of academic institution to learn these or maybe you stumble across you know a therapist or some sort of change agent in your life life that that has access to these ideas but I haven't found any source that kind of covers them in some sort of um, broad-range perspective and so that's really kind of what I want to uh, uncover and, and you know share with the world
0: yeah yeah and that that's great especially the spirituality and especially the the new earth stuff yeah you know, talking about the way showers because you know we really we, we do need some guidance right now people are lost you know this awakening isn't some fantastic thing it's it's really hard for right a lot
2: of that's uh, right and it's especially hard i think uh maybe not so much at this point because there's so much momentum being built because this is a worldwide movement as as you guys both know that you know, we're seeing, you know, and, and Q is just a portion of this, right? But uh, whether we're talking about Hong Kong or the Yellow Vest Movement in, in France, uh, or even more recently, I saw in South Korea, there are protesters who are coming out in droves and many of them are holding Q signs, you know? Um, so that's really exciting. But what you're seeing is this, um, well, a common definition is kind of being thrown around now in a meme is uh, the definition of apocalypse. And what it really means is an uncovering, right? That we're, we're, this this kind of, uh, in order for us to move into uh, the, the next realm of what uh, earth has before us, we have to bring up the dark in order to transform it. And so that's what you're seeing literally right before your eyes. And with my awakening process, Uh, I was uh, so kind of my background from a political perspective is I've been a hardcore Democrat my whole life. I mean, I canvassed for uh, Obama for um, both terms. Uh, I flew back to DC for both inaugurations. Uh, I canvassed for him. And then when Bernie came along, I was hardcore Bernie bro and did the same thing. And then when he, I knew he was going to lose to Hillary after California, then I just had to check out. And it, um, I, I kind of threw in the towel in terms of politics altogether. And um, definitely didn't like what I was seeing in the media from Trump. And it really wasn't until that next fall after he got elected uh, that then when Q came along that then I started exploring, huh, what's this all about? And then started applying this idea of critical thinking to looking past this narrative that we commonly see of NPC or orange man bad, right? I think it's dangerous when we lump anyone, Trump or whomever, into a hardcore category of this person is, is all bad. He hasn't done anything whatsoever that's good for the country, which of course counters evidence. Uh, A big one that I like to reference is the human trafficking arrests and his executive orders. I mean, that's definitely uh, a very strong influence from Trump himself. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also dangerous to put someone on the pedestal. And of course, there's a very loaded phrase emotionally of a Trump supporter and kind of all the implications of what that means. Um, but I think this is where the critical thinking comes in of, OK, so let's look at the evidence here of really what's going on and moving past the the, the storyline or the narrative that we're hearing from uh, a mainstream corporate media perspective
0: yeah you need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and that's that's what i would say i just i support which most people it's like we support the truth we're not the democrat or republican it's just uh we're truthers truth seekers yeah. Yeah. we're on the
1: side of the truth
0: and yeah, yeah. And- And, and obviously we want to see all this corruption exposed and Yeah,
1: and love and goodness and everything. Yeah, we'll support whoever is most in line with that. It's Mm -hmm. not that we're Trump supporters. We're support, we're supporting Trump because he is most in line with that. Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Many people would argue with that point. Many people would argue with that. And, And I think, let me, let me just interject here real
2: quick. And what I think is important is that, you know, it's important to move beyond labels, right? Q often says they want us divided. And so by, by, by race, uh, by religion, by political affiliation, right? And so whether or not, you know, maybe even right now as you're listening to this podcast, you, you don't agree with Trump whatsoever. Uh, I, I think one thing, especially, you know, going back to the audience that I'm wanting to support here in terms of ushering in Uh, This this revolution that's taking place. And of course, we see this from wisdom traditions going back thousands of years right of this prediction about um, This new epoch or era that's eventually going to be ushered in. Well, we're living in it right now We're seeing it literally transform before our eyes and what's important to kind of for all of us to keep in mind is regardless of politics and, and how that can can trigger folks one thing that I think we can all agree is that all of us are wanting just like you guys are saying love truth uh connection with whether that source or with other people wanting to see those who are in some sort of government uh power structure that are representing the people's ideas and wishes and that we can all live um in greater harmony you know and i know that might sound trite but it's this idea that uh we all we're all on this planet together you know when you look at the big picture of things we're, we're a giant blue spinning ball as carl sagan says and uh, a blue dot and we're in the middle of nowhere, right? And so uh, it's so crucial for us, especially at this pivotal point in not just American history but human history, that we really stand up and we uh, band together. And that's something that I think all of us can get behind. Uh, and the details might, might differ, um, but, but that's what I see as some sort of um, uh, sticking agent for all of us moving forward and um, Q's tagline of where we go one, we go all, I don't view that as just some sort of um, quip or an idea that Q is saying, hey, this is how you'll know you're a part of the Q movement. I think it's it's a directive, it's a call to action. It's something for all of us to kind of take and integrate into our daily lives. And that's something that I've certainly started incorporating even more so of a daily ethos of when I'm interacting with people online, when folks are going through a hard time, that I know my life is definitely leveled up by incorporating this on a daily basis with people that I see on the street, with um, folks I'm interacting with online who might be going through a difficult time, even at work, you know, it's this idea of like, we're, you know, the Bible says we're our brother's keeper. And so it's this idea that that all of us are a, uh, a human family. And so when we pit one one person against another or one affiliation, regardless of what area that's in uh, against another, that then we uh, become more divided and that's where weakness starts to happen. And so it's this kind of return to a union uh, that we're all trying to strive for.
0: It, Beautiful.
2: Well, well said.
0: Very, Very well said. said. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and, and I like how you said um, as far as putting people on a pedestal or, or being all against somebody or being all for somebody. Like I agree with you 100% on that as far as, like it's, it's not healthy either way. Mm-hmm. Because healthy. it
2: blinds us, right? Then, then we become, um, you know, hero worshipers where we're, we, we start to lose those critical thinking skills. Yeah. You know, I'm not supportive of, of 100% by any means of what Trump or his administration has done. But at the same time, I'm not going to put myself in the other camp where there's so much emotion that triggers us, that enrages us to the point that, uh, you know, you even bring up his name and people have this kind of visceral
0: reaction. Yeah, it's so taboo. Exactly. His name. It really is. And and the thing is, is I I listen to people's arguments because I want to hear the other side. And I do. I will watch some stuff that Trump says or does. And a lot of it is very egotistical he, he comes mm-hmm. he has an ego uh he he does sound like an ass sometimes and I think yeah. he does make a fool, fool he's himself. very alpha he does make a fool of himself at times but i understand the bigger picture i um, know, yeah, like yeah obviously yeah, yeah when is, you, but he, he's not even a politician you know he's yeah
1: well that's yeah. the key Hell word: I, bigger yeah. bigger picture if you don't understand the bigger picture of his role and what's really going on he could just very easily seem like an egotistical rich guy that he does wants to yeah he just only cares about himself and and maybe like the rich let's say like okay well when you understand the deep state is a real thing and when you understand the role he is in he's in a role that is it has to be somebody like him basically like somebody very very just strong willed but i mean sometimes that is going to be a person that is seemingly full of himself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like okay yeah it's not great that maybe he's full of himself uh maybe he does and says some things that are a little unsavory but he's leading the fight of this uh deep state that is uh this like plague in our world that he is helping to take to dismantle and take down hmm and when you understand that you can overlook those things because they ultimately don't matter in the grand scope of things
2: yeah. um, and there's an important distinction here the way I phrase it is personality versus policy yes, yes. right and so so often the, the argument against him is well uh, because he is kind of to borrow your word unsavory, you know he might tweet impulsively. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, what? What was they? What were they calling him right after he got elected? Malignant narcissism. Yeah. You know, um. That as there that that therefore equals you know everything that he's doing is going to be against essentially the American.
1: People. Yeah. Nothing good can come from right? it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. yeah.
0: Yeah. There is. That's there just is, not
2: true, right? When, when you yeah. look at the actual the, the um, executive orders that he signed and some of the policies that he's put into place, um, that just doesn't hold water.
0: There is one aspect of it. So we heard from, whenever it was from David Wilcox, said that he is from allegedly supposed to be the first president to ever receive cosmic clearance, which is like the top clearance, like, you know, the, you, we always hear there's like 37 ranks above the president. Right. Well, the, the 38th one, a, is cosmic clearance, mm. and he's supposed to be the first president ever to receive this. So let's say he did get, received his clearance, knows everything, you know, Corey Goodlevel stuff, secret space program, knows everything, just got it all handed to him. And that might explain why he comes across that way, because he might know, like, he might know what's coming, really, you mm-hmm. know, and he can just, he can tweet, he he might feel like he can do that stuff. because he knows that it's over for them. You know, mm-hmm. like, I can say what I want because you have no idea what I know. You
2: know? Well, yeah, and that's, you know, and it, once we have access to, and it's not really Q, I mean, people, people kind of put Q on this pedestal and Q is just a pointer, right? The, the, the Q team is just a way shower. And the majority of information that they share is in the form of Socr- Socratic questioning, which is what we learn in graduate school, right? that you can't always tell people um, information. Sometimes you have to have them be led to it. Mm -hmm. And so when you can take an idea or a trajectory of where you're going, but phrase it in the form of a question, then it allows the listener to kind of be more open, be more inquisitive, to have that kind of intrinsic drive and motivation to want to learn. And then what they stumble across is going to be that much more impactful. So it's absolutely brilliant, the strategy that they're doing. Plus, they're also, um, by doing it this way, not, as I understand it, disobeying, I believe it's the Hatch Act of them um, sharing um, classified information. And most of what they say is um, information that's shared from prior mainstream media articles. Or they'll say, you know, future proves past in terms of the news will unlock information, the future news, you know. Um, so yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it's definitely yeah, it's it's a crazy time. <laughs> Q, I'm I'm excited yeah. to see if Q's eight uh, chan, where all the stuff. What do you, what are your thoughts on eight chan coming back? Like I'm reading now that they might be coming back under a different name, or rebranded now, and right. Coon or whatever it is, however you yeah, it.
1: yeah, it's like my last name. Yeah, <laughs> cool. yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm curious if you've if you've delved into that
2: at all. And well, it's interesting. So uh, I, I can't remember his name right now, but the the administrator to Jim Watkins. There we are. So yeah. when he testified in Congress recently, I don't know if you guys saw this, but afterwards he's outside um, of uh, the um, the the main building there, the Capitol, and uh, he's having his picture taken, and there on his collar is a giant queue.
0: yeah, I saw that
1: yeah yeah, I saw that
2: um, so so Achan just released on Twitter a uh, a small little intro, uh, I believe it was yesterday, perhaps or the day before, and um, Craig Mason, who's one of the guys I enjoy listening to on YouTube. Um, He's worth checking out and he noticed something today that I listened to uh, at the 17 second mark because Q often talks in symbols, right? And 17 is a common one because it's the 17th letter of the alphabet. So um, at the 17th second mark that there's uh, a little Q that kind of pops up. So you'll see these, these little things that by themselves uh, they mean absolutely nothing. It, it's pure coincidence when we start to explore this. But what I find so fun, again, from almost like a, a puzzle perspective, like you guys remember Dan Brown and uh, like Da Vinci Code and whatnot. It, oh, yeah. it kind of feels like that, but in real life. Because all the time you're having these these little nods, these little winks of, of Q-proofs that are slowly revealing themselves. And that's what was so fun, especially when Q was dropping regularly, that every morning, uh, it would feel like Christmas morning because it'd be like, well, what's gonna happen today? You know, and by themselves, they mean nothing. But when you take statistics courses, you know, the whole point of statistics is like predicting the future, right, because we don't have a crystal ball. And so how we work with predictions then is gonna be through a statistical lens, where you're looking at trends, themes, what what is con- deemed or considered into this category of pure coincidence that it's not significant or have some sort of meaning to it. And then w- when you have enough data points that you collect, then that shows a trend over time. And then you can um, connect these dots and you can see kind of where things are going. And uh, Q has even kind of made reference to this in the past. And so that's what you see when you start exploring these Q proofs that there are so many at this point, like it, it transcends, we, we've now kind of moved beyond this threshold of it being pure coincidence. So, yeah. but you have to kind of be willing mentally to go there and to be open-minded to start looking into this and explore. Because a lot of people read, you know, the mainstream media hit pieces against Q, uh, which I chuckle at because every time there's a, a Q article that comes out, they do such a horrible job at summarizing what Q is. It only adds further credence or credibility to Q because they're not accurately summarizing it.
0: I have a perfect example of that. I had somebody at work asking me about Q and I was explaining it to him. He went home, looked it, looked it up, came came back the next day. He's like, yeah, I went on um, Wikipedia last night and, and looked up Q and it says it's a far-right conspiracy theory. Right. And right. blah, 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 blah. He goes he goes, "I know better than that, just from talking to you, and it just didn't make sense blah, blah blah, but that's a perfect example of the type of stuff that you find if you mm-hmm. if you research it mm-hmm. and just going going back to what you said a minute ago, uh we do have a crystal ball, it's just not disclosed yet that's right, yeah, yeah, glad, we don't see uh, it yeah,
2: and this goes back to the point that you were making earlier about uh trump's confidence' Cause, and, and you know an example of that would be like with this whole Russiagate scandal, right I mean uh, countless commentators have said if basically this were anyone else they would have uh, thrown in the towel or had you know a breakdown whatever from all of the, the stress and pressure but when you see Trump kind of reacting to all of these things what is he what has he said from the very beginning what do all of his tweets when you look back you see this trend of it's a hoax right it, yeah. it's a it's a conspiracy it, it's not founded in fact and um, and of course the media will will take these tweets and they'll kind of laugh at it. And uh, there's a um, uh, compile I saw the other day of all of these main commentators saying, you know, he's going down and the, the walls are uh, closing in on him and everything, right? I and, believe
0: I saw that, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it was great that, because um, w- for us, we kind of have, maybe I won't use the, the phrase crystal ball, but we have, you know, a, a quiet confidence when you study this Q material. Because we knew right from the start, right, right from the very beginning kind of what, what their modality would be, the, the deep state kind of through the uh, corporate media, uh, what tactics they were going to take. And then we had kind of already an outline laid before us of what was going to happen. And so we didn't have to get all up in arms from an emotional perspective because we saw the bigger picture. And that's really part of what the Q movement has been about. There, there's really two main goals out of it, as I see it. One is, in my opinion, I think it's the largest information drop in modern history. And that's saying a lot. Um, and, you know, if we, we look into um, uh, Moloch and uh, Luciferian uh, agendas and whatnot, and how this goes back, you know, good Lord, 6,000 years with this death cult. Um, Mm -hmm. So information, but the other is uh, a call for us to reconnect with one another. That's the where we go when we go all. And it's this idea of all of us as a people standing up because public awakening is their greatest fear because they live and thrive in shadows and deception. And ultimately from a long-term perspective, truth prevails. And that's why I feel increasingly confident every single day as we move forward that we're only getting closer to this big turnaround. And it's often darkest right before the dawn. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, with the whole Russia scandal, like maybe maybe he is going down. You know, I flip on the news and I'm watching these sorts of things and it's always fear and scarcity and and what's going to happen. And then what happens at the very end? Mueller testifies it was a complete disaster and there's no found collusion or obstruction. And now the latest thing is with Ukraine, right? And that whole laughable scandal of trying to put it on trump and they already had their tactics that you see right like with one whistleblower coming forward and then that and it was a a trap right that that trump put the uh recording on a private server and so then and they didn't really even know what was on the the transcript and so you have uh, uh adam schiff and pelosi and all of them saying okay we're gonna move for impeachment even though we don't really have all the details yet Right. And so then what happens? Then uh, uh, Adam Schiff reads this whistleblower testimony of supposedly what the transcript was, which was a complete disaster. You know what it reminded me of? I thought of you guys watch Chappelle's show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, when he does like the or it might be in one of his standups, but he does like the 1930s um, copper and rubber. Right? And he's
0: yeah.
2: like, look here, me And it was just laughable. And so then what happens afterward? Trump releases the transcript. Right? And now they're caught. Now they're caught. Yeah,
1: Trump's like, all right, I'll release the transcript. And That's it's just right. like the most normal conversation between two leaders.
2: And he didn't even initiate it. That was a beautiful part. <laughs> yeah. It was the president of Ukraine who kind of said, well, maybe we need to look into this. You know, so the quid pro quo argument doesn't fly at all. But as you're kind of having this background understanding, looking beyond the, the talking points of what happens every day, you see that uh, the Democrats in the deep state kind of in general, have to maintain their prior narrative, which in this case is what? Having a second whistleblower come forward. Well, it's completely moot at this point because the transcript has been released. Yeah. So this second whistleblower is talking about information that's already been revealed. And so Mm -hmm. and and common,
0: common, it's like common knowledge anymore. That's
2: right. And so now you have a complete flip to now where Biden uh, needs to be. And this is why optics are important, that they needed to investigate Trump first, because then after that happened, now Trump can say, hey, in this case, it is a quid pro quo from the perspective of you're investigating me, we need to investigate Biden. Right. Not because he's running for president, but because I have an obligation as president to look into corruption. Right. So I would be disobeying the law if we didn't look into this. And so that's kind of what's happening now. And you see his uh, approval ratings as of today are the highest of 2019. And this is completely going against the narrative that they were expecting would happen two weeks ago with how things have been unfolding.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah, if it was up to, if it, if it was up to their narrative, you know he'd be dead right now. I mean, right, that's right. It's Amazing yeah.
1: too, because everything they throw at Trump and everything they try just backfires. Yeah, and and I think the reason why, I mean, one because they have to make up things usually. That's to right. You're like, look at this bad thing Trump did. We need to impeach him, and they don't have anything, so they have to make up things, mm-hmm. um, and trump instead of attacking back he's playing it in a in a very um use their own force against them like that's right He that's very, right. very very smartly he's very very well planned out whether it's just trump or or he has a team which i believe is the case mm-hmm. um because none of it is just like haphazardly like trump doing anything it's all very well planned out it's all very precise very effective
2: that way and yeah. that's where timing becomes so crucial right from an yeah. from an optics or a, um, a a perspective for public consciousness because imagine if it were reversed if trump came out first saying hey we need to look at biden and then they're like hey well maybe there's some situations you're going on with trump the media is going to have a heyday in terms of focusing on the trump factor, right? That's why there was such a roadblock um, with Russia for the past several years, that that needed to get resolved in order for now things to move forward. And as of a couple days ago, um, I I heard this from a contact who has an insider uh, last Friday um, about the Marines being active. Activated. Yes, I heard
0: that yeah i, I saw that a, i have a friend who has a son in the marines and okay all he says a lot of the reserves have it's actually been going on for about a month now mm. uh, not just the marines but military in general they're all being uh, right called, that means, called that means
1: we're getting very close that's right uh, and i'm hearing
0: uh, i'm also hearing which we always hear about but uh you know we know about the financial reset uh um, potential stock market crash yep right that's right like uh, like really soon, possibly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk Fed about Fed's going to be
1: ending or going to gold-backed currency. Yeah,
0: things things going dark before they get better. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the stock market crash would, would be a literal example of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it might seem horrible, and it is going to be tough for a lot of people. And but in the long run, we're going to come out ahead. And we're gonna be, it's gonna level out the playing field for everybody, homeowners, business owners, people just trying to make it in this world. Yep. Yeah, I follow
2: X-22 Report daily. Uh, That's one of the the few channels that I I absolutely love and listen to it um, almost religiously. And there's two reports that come out every day that Dave has. One is a financial and one is geopolitical. And the financial kind of really goes into this financial reset in depth. And so for those that are kind of interested in wanting to know more about this, it's a great resource. And basically what's needing to happen is the central bank um, is is needing to collapse, right? Because it's a private bank and doesn't, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have our best interest uh, at heart. And it was founded illegally in 1913. Um, and a great um, book to learn more about that is the Creature from Jekyll Island, for those who haven't heard of it. And so you, you have this kind of parallel process that's going on now where Trump is um, kind of keeping the economy through the stock market, at least from that perspective, very high. And then at the same time, we, according to Q, have the gold back because uh, it had left the country. And so now that we have the gold that's been returned, that's going to be the demise of the central bank. And so then once that bank crashes, there'll be a little bit of... A bumpy ride um and but then we'll be able to kind of quickly move into our plan b so yeah it, it's, uh, i've heard different things from different people in terms of the Jasara and Nasara piece and kind of um what that will exactly be uh when i went to eseti in july Corey good was there and he kind of spoke about this um and he said according to him it's not going to be one of those things where it's like um Kind of what you traditionally have been hearing um, about that of everyone's going to be given a certain amount of you know money and things along those lines, um, but it it definitely will be much more of um, how do you want to phrase it like a, a, a positive world from a financial perspective where things are much more fair.
0: Yeah, that's why they, I said level out the playing field. Right, yeah, we were all at East City, yeah, and and I re- I remember him saying that. I remember actually. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's segue into memes let's do it oh my favorite topic yes actually yeah. yes. well, they come into play with all this stuff because everything we much. Talk, everything we've talked about so far tonight if you try and make a post or write up something on facebook or youtube any social media platform uh, it's getting shadow banned if if not getting blocked entirely mm-hmm. the algorithms pick it up They don't let anybody see it, but you don't have any way of knowing it.
1: Or they'll put you in jail on Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, and memes are a perfect way, which I'll let you describe all that, but just something that we experienced with our Jordan Saylor podcast, just as an example of this. So on Facebook, it allows you to boost a post whenever you have a business page Mm -hmm. and you you pay a couple dollars and it gets it up in the algorithm so more people see it every day and and it it like promotes it for however long however whatever period you choose we uh we've done this in the past with like the ed- when we had edge of wonder you know just try and get it out there uh we tried to do it jordan it it goes through a 24-hour review it got rejected saying that we can't we can't you know talk- why
1: i think it did that because you had that? you had q, you had q- in the description ah, and maybe some other stuff that were like trigger words for that Probably. That's my theory of why that happened.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I was
1: one I'm like, why? It didn't do with Edge of Wonder. Why Jordan? And then I, I was reading the description. I'm like, oh, QAnon.
0: <laughs> well, well, Jordan has a target <laughs> on his back from the deep state. Anyway. And
1: Yeah, and it could also be Jordan.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's a combination of both, probably. But yeah. either, either way, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it proves my point that it's being... It's but either
1: more... yeah, either way, it's yeah, they're yeah. they're censoring. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. want that that kind of a thing getting promoted.
0: They, they said we don't have a license to to talk politics, basically to promote to to talk about any political issue. Yeah,
1: I forget the way it was worded, but that's basically what what it yeah, said. It was... <laughs> we don't have a license to just promote.
0: It politics. was ridiculous, is what it was. Yeah. Uh so, uh, yeah, go ahead and explain to us so how the memes th- how work against the algorithms. hmm So let's kind of take a step back
2: and, and really look at
0: what the hell is
2: a meme. So this word comes from the 1970s um, by someone named Richard Dawkins, who's a um, very kind of famous researcher uh, looking at uh, e- expression of, of culture based on genes and so he talked about memes in terms of how that's passed down genetically um but that term can can be applied to more than just biology that it's this idea that you have um an idea that's passed on within a culture or a subculture um, and specifically kind of very quickly so that it can be spread uh to large audiences so if you think about like inside jokes or uh, certain phrases or expressions, um, that that can also be counted as a meme. Because typically what we think of a meme is like a word picture. But it could be a, a recording, it could be a phrase, it could be a clip of a song. Um, it's just this idea that you have some short uh, idea that other people can pick up on without having a, going into a full description every single time of what that means. Yeah. So, uh, now with, um, and so, um, Carpe Duncombe, for example, he does a fantastic job. He's on Twitter of, uh, making really funny video clips, uh, that go viral very quickly. Um, so that's kind of from video perspective. Um, so, so memes from how we traditionally think about them as pictures with words in them, uh, is a fantastic way of spreading information because of its speed And that's the real variable here. And that's why they're so scared. So scared that even the military has its own subdivision devoted to meme warfare. Wow, DARPA has studied this, has has researched this, funded a lot of money. NATO has spent money funding this. Uh, And like I mentioned, even the Marines um, have uh, developed this kind of meme warfare. So why? Then the question is why? And the answer is because they realize uh, how powerful this uh, tool or weapon, if you will, is to spreading information very quickly. Because before it was always what? If you had information you wanted to spread quickly, you'd do it through a newspaper or perhaps the radio or the news. And then if you you guys remember, well, I don't know how old you are, but like pre-internet days, if you wanted to share information, Locally, where would you go? You know, you go to like maybe a coffee house or somewhere and there'd be like a community bulletin board or telephone poles, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And so
2: now we have this glorious thing called the internet. And so we're in an era now where there's so much information that's coming our way, we're being flooded with it. And so people don't have time. The average attention span is seven seconds. And so when you're scrolling through your newsfeed, you're not going to be able to go through and read the content of every single post. But we have, what, at least 40% of our brain devoted to the visual cortex back here, which is where, um, you know, sight is processed. And um, so we're very visual beings. And to some degree, that has been based on survival that we've needed that. But now we're using that in terms of, of you know, these little guys here, right, our phones. So we're, we're becoming addicted to these things because of the dopamine rush. So we're scrolling through our newsfeed and we're seeing things and what, well, let me ask you guys, what typically catches your eye to where you stop and you want to zoom in on a particular post? I mean. <laughs> a meme. A meme, right? I mean, maybe it's it's a it's a a picture from a news article that's um, alluring, that's capturing in some sort of way, or the the picture allows you to pause long enough to read uh, a headline. But for the most part, it's going to be those pictures, and so that's kind of the 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 background information. Now, where the potency comes in is that when you have something in this form of a word picture that slows you down to pay attention to it, there's a lot of power that comes with that. And so then the next question is, what do you do with that? How do you maximize that? And so this is where humor can be a fantastic way to really hook the person. You might have a picture in particular that slows someone down long enough to want to say, hey, maybe I'll spend a few of my Uh, cognitive resources to really explore what this picture is all about. And then when you add humor or you're able to mock kind of something that's going on, then you're adding another variable here, which is reframing. And so that's really powerful, especially in what we're seeing going on nowadays, like with uh, politics, for example, Uh, you have one narrative that you're hearing in the media, but that doesn't necessarily represent truth all the time. right? And so if you're wanting to reclaim the narrative, which means the overall framework of how most people view things, that you have to have some sort of way in which you can do it that's gonna hook a lot of people, just like mainstream media hooks a lot of people. Now the numbers are going down and people are waking up because they're tired of uh, the this, this same message being propagated, coming to find out that that message is now no longer being true. And I think that's part of the systematic destruction of the old guard because Trump is trapping them in terms of showing their hands. For the first time ever in human history, this old guard is having to really come out and force to defend themselves because they see what's happening. Yeah. And so you see with Russia, you see with all these different scenarios where it's like you can have Rachel Matkow talk about every single night for months, months and months and months, right? Every single there was a countdown. Yeah. Even the Mueller testimony. And then what happens? It blew up in these glorious flames of her being caught in her lies, right? And so what happened? Her viewership dropped by 30 some percent as a result of that.
0: People Almost are overnight. tired.
2: Almost exactly. overnight. Yeah. Almost overnight. So, so you, there's so much potential with the meme. So that's kind of the, the background here. And, and potential for a mul- multitude of reasons because for people who might be in this community who are already somewhat savvy and you're just wanting to find the best version of this idea or this concept, that that's where you can uh, zoom in and kind of clarify, okay, now what would be a good meme to represent this? Or you might put a post out of saying, hey, all your memes related to fill in the blank subject, let's see what you got. So that's one thing. But this is also powerful from a perspective of seeding consciousness. Mm -hmm. That is what is so treacherous to this shadow or this hidden hand, because that's the last thing you want. Here we are back to public awakening, right? Because when you have a sleeper kind of going through their phone and they're seeing these pictures and they're slowing down, they're reading it, they're intrigued. Now they might not agree with it in terms of the content of what's being shared in this meme, but it doesn't matter. Because that idea is now becoming more of a concept that they're at least familiar with, right? Because you have to hear a concept at least seven times supposedly for you to become familiar with it. And so, when you have these memes out there, because almost everybody's on social media, and they're at least familiar with these ideas. For example, like Jeffrey Epstein, or uh, you know whatever it is that that in terms of the content that you're wanting to get out there, when even if they disagree with it, but you're, what you're coming across these concepts, that's being planted in their subconscious. And so what we're really talking about is an important concept that I wanna share with everybody. And I mentioned this in my workshop that I did with Simon Esler uh, at
0: Dimensions of Disclosure. I was at and, that. Yeah, yeah, no, I was awesome. seeing you there. So, no, Gotta give him a shout out. What's up?
2: Yeah, Simon. Yeah, what's up, Simon? So there were kind of two ideas that I want to share with everybody psychologically. That's important for us to keep in mind. One is is one in which most of us are already familiar with, which is cognitive dissonance, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that when you have an idea in your mind, you have a belief, you have a paradigm, you have a way of viewing things, and you're presented with information that, to some degree, perhaps might be credible or enough for you to kind of slow down and say, hmm, I need to synthesize this and I'm not really sure what the next step is. You're put into this quagmire, this difficult scenario of what do I do next? You're at this dissonant state. And so you either have to reject the new information that's coming in in order to hold true to what's familiar with me, which means what's safe, which is your old way of thinking things, or you have to slowly start incorporating this new information. And most people, that's when you see this kind of extreme outrageous going on and all this emotion flaring up because they're being called into this dissonant state where how could anybody be against the way that I'm viewing or thinking about things, right? So that's one important concept. The other one is this idea called the Overton window. Are you guys familiar with that concept?
0: Yeah. You heard it before? Um, yeah. I'm not so familiar, I don't believe. It's so the over- window
1: of acceptable... Um, topics of conversation. That's right. right. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that's exactly right. So it's on a spectrum. And in the middle is this kind of sweet spot, which is formally called the Overton window. And within that is kind of what's considered uh, sensible or um, acceptable. You know, it's where policies are made. And when you have ideas that go outside of that acceptable range, this is where like the narrative comes in that then people are going to discredit that. They're going to think it's radical or at the very extreme, like not even thinkable. You know, like, for example, uh, you know, what what we've all become privy to in terms of what happens with crimes against children, right? We don't Mm -hmm. need to go into detail about that. But some of those ideas are very extreme. And the idea that these world leaders perhaps could be engaging in these very sadistic acts is so hard to fathom for the average person. But that doesn't mean it's not true. And so there's this fight that's going on that you're seeing played out in front of you in terms of like the media, for example, of what, how are we going to spin this to keep the narrative that we're wanting to portray going? And so this is why that phrase of control of the narrative is so crucial. And so what happens with memes is that you're, you're wanting to slowly shift that. And you can shift that through somewhat of an acceptable way that makes it more palatable when you have humor. See, and that's what makes this so powerful.
0: Yeah, that- That makes sense? No, 100%. Okay. It was probably the best possible description you could have given us. Um, But I also want you to touch on how it it works against the algorithms, actually. Yes,
2: okay, let's do that. So um, Facebook now has, capacity through presumably AI to where when you upload a meme that goes into because when when you have a delay as you guys might have noticed like when you're uploading a meme and you see this kind of it, it's almost as though you're it's scanning something like there's a pause as it's going through before the post is uploaded what's happening is the the technology is kind of scanning at certain points, to compare that image to their database. So if you have a meme that's on their blacklist that they've already determined, nope, this isn't okay to fly, then that's when people at this point now get banned immediately. You might have a one day ban, seven day ban, 30, whatever. And so what you're wanting to do to uh, circumvent that is you can go into your paint or your photo editor and just add one little dot of ink doesn't matter what color doesn't matter where doesn't matter how big but by you doing that that overrides the meme as it's recorded in their database and so at least temporarily that will allow you to kind of upload um interesting perhaps a controversial meme does that make sense
0: I, it yeah. does because I've noticed when I try and share not just memes but just a post on anything, uh, anything relevant to what we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can post a picture of my girlfriend and I and get hundreds of likes. I right. post something ten minutes later about something like that, and like three people might see yeah. it in, in a week's span. Right, you know, and no one will even like it. You know, and and that one of those people is always Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome.
2: Well, yeah. it, it's like they don't care if he
0: sees it. like the people within yeah. you, you know, our echo chamber essentially, right. like they're the ones who are the ones seeing it, not anyone else who needs to get to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I have noticed that things I share on my personal page, I can tell that like certain things will trigger a certain person to see it um based on the, like their likes on Facebook or however Facebook has them categorized.
0: Yeah, um, they know so us better than we know ourselves. i get
1: like the same two yeah. or three guys that would like all the same and, <laughs> and like no one else. Yeah. So I like, oh, that's kind of interesting.
2: It, yeah, it's, it's very complicated. And the algorithms uh, keep changing within Facebook in particular. But there's been research shown at this point that the algorithms and their ability to control that has been so refined that they could literally make someone who's scrolling through their news feed suicidal, if they wanted
0: to. Yeah. I, I believe that.
1: Oh, I totally um, believe that.
0: After after hearing Zach Voorhees' testimony, I don't know if you've looked into any oh, yeah. of that or listened to him, yep. uh, I, I did I did a video on that. Uh, and uh, I, it was like Google censorship, it was the title. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a mistake because that got totally just to the bot pushed to the bottom. It hardly got any views. Nobody's seen it. It was. Uh, I wonder why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it, it's totally. It, it's actually disturbing. Like it, it we're it, we're just touching on the surface level. The the stuff that's actually taking place within Google and YouTube. Yeah. They're, owned, they're all Google. YouTube is owned by Google. Right. Uh, the this, this stuff that's taking place is wrong. It's criminal but mm-hmm. on, on, in every aspect.
2: Yeah, you have uh, Dr. Robert Epstein, who is uh, a very well-known and prominent psychologist. He used to be mm-hmm. the editor of Psychology Today. And maybe you guys have seen this, but he gave testimony uh, in Congress to Ted Cruz uh, a few months ago. And he said from his independent research, now granted, he used to be a hardcore Hillary supporter. Okay, mm-hmm. But through his research, he found that, and he had all these different variables with, with Google searches, but in the 2016 election, he found that, if I remember the numbers correctly, it was anywhere between 3 million and 10 million uh, sways of votes. Now, that's yeah. dangerous because now we're getting into this discussion of are these big name, uh, deep state funded uh, uh, social media platforms, um, a platform or a publisher because there's a big difference between those two. Yeah. platform means that you're just uh, provided this landing page for people to go to the post their own independent content that you as the as the provider are neutral. okay and you don't have an agenda in terms of banning. but if you're a publisher that's very different. Because then you're now taking ownership and liability for um, uh, lawsuits in terms of that. And so what's happening is Google, YouTube censorship, um, even Facebook, that they're arguing that they're platforms, but they're acting as though they're publishers. Yeah. And so uh, just recently, um, Facebook has uh, now I don't know if they've started instigating this or not yet, but they have because I think they see the writing on the wall. They now said, Well, we're going to have a third party that can review when we ban someone and they can plead their case.
0: Yeah, so that's that's just like laughing in their face, right? Yeah, yeah. They just like they have their their fact check team whenever exactly. you post, whenever exactly, whenever you post anything about anti vax, uh, mm-hmm. they
1: will anything controversial will have a little politifact, uh, yes. now. Yeah, I know,
0: one, of, one of them, I an example of it was somebody posted how vaccines are cause autism, mm-hmm. and uh, the little fact was, uh, find click here to find out why vaccines do not cause autism yeah Uh,
1: well youtube's doing it too have you seen youtube like a lot of like conspiracy videos will have a little wikipedia mm, thing underneath it and it'll say like if you're talking about chemtrails every chemtrail video now that i've seen has a thing that says contrails wikipedia and then it tries to end that debunk oh some people say they're chemtrails well what's
0: what's scary about it is is, it is a it is effective because so, the people who don't know any better right. any better will just fall for it right and that yeah. is that's a that's scary thing because you know we obviously laugh at it we understand it but a lot of people don't the majority of people don't
2: well and here we are back to the over to window concept right because what's happening is is these folks as maybe they stumble across the video because it's recommended or they've been sent the video to watch um but as they're kind of tiptoeing into exploring an idea that might be outside of their um, framework that they believe in within their paradigm, that they're they're um, exploring these videos. But then afterward, if they see a source that supposedly debunks this, right, whether if it's Politico or uh, Wikipedia or whatever, then they're more likely to kind of snap back into that priorly held Overton Window and not explore that as much, right? It kind of shuts down this idea of curiosity, just like certain phrases do, right? I mean, now we have uh, FBI documents that kind of prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the term conspiracy theory was made up by government, right? Mm -hmm. This was right after the JFK assassination. So why? Why? Because they didn't want people starting to question the official narrative the narrative that they were putting out. And so they needed a way to shut down critical thinking and independent thought. And so now you aren't gonna be considered part of the herd. You're gonna be shamed, which is a very powerful emotion. And you're gonna be labeled this if you start thinking outside of the box. And so okay. that this is, again, another attempt at them to try to maintain that control. And you know, Q says, we're, we're in a war right now, but it's a war for your minds. Right? We see this every day. It's, it's a psychological war that's taking place. We're in a cold civil war where we're not on a bloody battlefield right now. But that doesn't mean that this shadow war isn't taking place. And so this is why I feel so enlivened by my material because this is one way in which you can get your power back. Right, mm-hmm. You start to understand yourself and you start to understand how your mind works when you start to understand, oh, there are skills, there are practical ways in which I can feel more in control of my life, and it trickles out. When I feel more in control of my psychology, then I feel more empowered. And once I feel more empowered, then I'm not gonna let voices of fear, whether internal or external, sway me as much. I have this calm, centered groundedness about me. And then when I start seeing, oh, here's more coincidences showing up in my life, of how this is just what I was expecting, you know? And it's, and it's kind of ushering in this new way in which people can view their life from a very, um, well, the phrase that we use in psychology is locus of control. And in English, what that means is uh, th- there's two versions. There's either an internal or an external. So when someone has an external locus of control, they don't feel empowered. They feel as though all their power is given away to someone else. You see this commonly with depression that's like, well, it's like the Eeyore argument. There's no oh bother, there's nothing I can do, I can't make change. And so the empowerment comes when you can teach people to have an internal locus of control to where they can feel as though, yes, I can make change. Yes, I can start to take control of my life and uh, move into slowly but surely living the best version of my life. And there's a whole field of psychology for the past 20 years has been formally studied called, called positive psychology which means that researchers have kind of banded together and they said okay we have spent the last hundred years this is really exciting uh looking at uh negative emotions right starting from freud all the way up to this was in 1999 martin seliman the president of the american psychological association he said for every 100 studies that are published on negative emotions do you know how many are published on a positive emotion? Joy, love, peace, creativity, inspiration, et cetera. One, one, hundred to one. Wow. Now, why does that matter? That matters because we know, and there's a lot of science that kind of backs this up, that our emotions aren't just um, ways in which we traverse through life, right? From a metaphysical perspective, they have a lot more power than that. And we're seeing that through HeartMath Institute, for example, and the power of the physical heart and uh, how it's much more powerful in terms of uh, sending very recordable electromagnetic waves compared to our brain. And so there's this whole new field that's been burgeoning the last 20 years of studying positive psychology, which means how, if we're going to have one branch, one field of study that's going to be looking at emotion, what field of study is that? And it's psychology. But we haven't done a good job in the past hundred years really looking at the upper end of things. We've done a really good job in terms of identifying depression and anger and sadness, you know, the big three, and grief and shame and all these sorts of other things. But what about this whole other end? And so that's so exciting because I see this definitely being the next big wave of where psychology is going in the future.
0: That and it needs to go there because absolutely. When I, when I took psychology in high school, it was like an exaggeration of the obvious. I mean, it was just so yeah. surface level. They they touched on, yeah. like you said, the negative stuff, and 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 we did a uh, chapter on subliminal messaging. You know, mm-hmm. and it was how find all the sexual subliminal messaging and stuff. Sure, uh, but it was just it it was so insignificant of a course. Mm -hmm. like if they would start teaching the stuff that you're speaking of it could really that's when we'll see the change take place
2: that's right that's right because it's applied psychology see that's the difference that psychology is this is this huge field of study and there's so many different um different branches within psychology there's cognitive uh, psychology and and social uh, within kind of the clinical realm you have all these different forms of therapy that have been clearly shown to help alleviate symptoms, right, depression, anxiety, et cetera. And so what I've been doing is kind of looking and cherry picking, plucking out, okay, what are these kind of hidden ingredients that you continue to see over and over and over again that show up when you're studying, like let's say uh, therapy B, and you're comparing that to therapy A, and you're like, wait a minute, there are three ideas within Therapy B that are saying the exact same thing, but the author of this form of therapy is wanting to use his own spin and his own language of wording for this very same idea. Mm. See? And so when you have that, then it makes it more practical for everybody. Then it's, you know, I, I love all things psychology. I, I find it extremely fascinating, but again, it's all theory for a large part, like Psych 101 or, you know, all things on those lines. Um, it might be interesting it might not but the question always comes back to how is this relevant for me you know and that's one thing that's helped me stand apart within my practice that when I'll have clients come in I'm very much skills based which means what's going on and how can we help you what what's practical in terms of different ideas that you can be implementing to experiment to see change right because uh, most of my training was kind of on that end of things as opposed to, you know, it's on a spectrum, but like on the other end of things, it's more process oriented, which means you're, you're not really focused on being directive on saying, Hey, let's look in the present moment and say, what's going on. And how can you make these things better? It's much more looking at kind of the, the bigger picture and exploring a lot of time on your past. I'm not saying that doesn't have uh, relevance but when you focus too much on that then people kind of stagnate and they just recycle it's like you're talking about the same thing over and over again or your therapist is just this kind of bump on the log going "Uh uh-huh okay that must be hard for you you know with like reflective empathic statements and it's like there's so much more out there and i can't tell you the number of clients who've come to me and said alex you have no idea like this has changed my life like i've been in therapy for what 20 30 years and i've never had someone that's teaching me new ways to do things so in some ways it's kind of like coaching Um, and so again that's why I feel so excited because there's two different layers to this one is you're going through and teaching the skills but the other layer is the why right and the why is that it's not just for you to uh, feel better for you to feel more in control of your life but to apply it very systematically to this understanding that we co-create our reality, that everything that's happening right now is a construction based on how we view things. And so when you can take that power back, then you're, you're really kind of um, springboarding or you're having this launching pad for you to really go to the next dimension. And now if you can have a whole group of people apply that together, sky's the limit, sky's the limit
0: if if you're doing it in a positive manner in a
2: positive way right like the because, maharishi
0: effect you know where people
2: have meditated have, together and they've seen crime go down it's a wonderful example of
0: that well and, and an example of the opposite is we're seeing play out right now is with this joker movie that came out
2: yes i heard a little bit about that
0: it's 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 promoting, you know, he's crazy. He's insanity. It's it's promoting everything negative and evil. Apparently, it's so disturbing. People are walking out. But oh wow! It is co-creating the quite the opposite of positive. You know, that some people are going to resonate with this because people are, you know, there's sick people out there. Right. And it's going to help normalize their already disturbing feelings. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think that movie was any accident uh as far as is what's what's going on in the world right now it's definitely a tool to, for mind control. I mean sure. that's a lot that's
1: a lot of movies though.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think that's just Absolutely. one of the
1: more extreme examples of that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at a lot of movies and shows um and knowing the stuff that we know it's very easy to pick apart the um the subliminal messages, the propaganda, the the mind control aspects of it. Symbolism. Um, when you, you know there is an agenda and there is a deep state kind of behind the scenes of a lot of these movies, it pops out immediately at you, yeah, symbolism. And this is part of the, the mm-hmm. mind control. They use the media and they use... Um, Uh, Hollywood and and movies and shows to kind of subliminally program people. Um, If you're susceptible to that, and especially if you're not aware at all that there is an agenda going on, you're probably going to be susceptible to that to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like the awakening is so destructive to their whole agenda, because as soon as you wake up to what's really going on, it loses almost all its effectiveness because that's right. then you can see, you see it and you see it for what it is instead of being unconsciously programmed all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You're finally like, you take the blinders off and you're like, Oh, this is the game that's being played. This is mm-hmm. what's actually happening. Like now I can movie. make a conscious choice to mm-hmm. not let it affect me.
0: That's right. Like that movie, that 1980s movie, uh, what's it called? they live or, or they live yeah love yeah. He yes. Good. Right.
2: yeah it's exactly yeah. like obey, yeah. obey. Yeah. yeah yeah tiffany Fitzhenry. if you guys are familiar with her she's done a fantastic oh, yeah. job she uh was on kind of the inside within hollywood um and then started waking up to everything that's going on and she's a very loud whistleblower on twitter and she did a fantastic video that's up on youtube kind of this um presentation talking about cia in particular and their influence in the movie industry Um, but i don't know if you guys experienced this but once i started you know as q often says symbolism will be their downfall right because it's everywhere uh and then we could get into this whole thing of like sigil magic and and why symbolism is is so potent for them but um you start seeing it everywhere but then for me my experience has been the last couple years I don't have as much of an interest in watching movies, especially mm-hmm. new movies, but even old movies. I just, Same. isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. With that. like I wonder why, hmm. I, yeah. I've actually noticed, I have lost the urge to turn my TV on in, for any yeah. reason. I used to, it's amazing where I came from. I used to turn the TV on every night years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I'm not watching it to rebel. I just have lost the urge, My I don't wanna even turn it on. I, I don't care what I'm doing, i just rather not turn it on. Mm-hmm. Unless there's something very specific that I'm trying to.
1: Well, nowadays, most people, especially like, I don't know, 40, 45, whatever, and younger, um, aren't even really watching normal TV. It's like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. If they are gonna- Streamed? Yeah, streamed stuff but you know again they have control of those because netflix look at a lot of the stuff that's on there and that they're promoting
2: well and look who's on the board of netflix yeah exactly exactly what sort of agenda they're propagating with scripts and whatnot
1: yeah so because it's like nowadays it's so easy for everyone to pick and choose certain little things they want to watch and everyone kind of lives in their own bubble but they still are in control of these like streaming platforms and they promote and like the Netflix original shows, a lot of those are very yeah. much in line with their agenda. And um,
0: Disney's but, got a big one coming too. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but but at the same time, they put out a lot of disclosure in a lot of these shows, especially like sci-fi. Uh, every sci-fi show is so much.
0: Strang- Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah Stranger Stranger yes,
2: exactly. Things. I was going to say that. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and and certain shows are more disclosure than they are the negative kind of programming and certain shows are are more that than they are disclosure or, or a mix of both. So it's all mixed up in there and, uh, it's not really until you wake up to everything that you can kind of see, okay, this is the disclosure, this is the programming Mm -hmm. and this is the subliminal stuff. Um, this is the agenda being pushed, the AI agenda being pushed, Mm -hmm. everything like you can like pinpoint all the things x
0: files is a big one too yeah. oh
1: yeah oh yeah I love x files though mm-hmm. <laughs> they're well, really stuff
0: no they're big i mean honestly some some episodes I don't watch a lot of them but i I, I watch the ones that I know are, are really dropping some bombs and, mm-hmm. and, and some of them are like it's not it's not science fiction at all like oh it's, yeah it's, it's like exactly the truth but and people don't see it as that, but it's so nice seeing it at least get out there, like you said, planting the seeds. That's right, that's right. Because here we are, it's it's just like
2: memes are, right? That you you have with film, a much more mentally palatable way, right? People are gonna be open, especially if there's a really good storyline to listening to these ideas. And again, my my kind of continual questioning within myself is when I'm watching something and I'm seeing some of this unfold, is this a way to encourage predictive programming or is this soft red pilling, you know, because Mm, sometimes it can be hard to tell between the two, but stranger things was a fantastic example of that. Oh my gosh. With um, Montauk project and MK ultra, Ultra. that was huge. Right. And different parallel dimensions and all these entities and whatnot. Um, and, And so I think so much of that is, well, either way, it can be used for good because then later on you can come back to certain clips or concepts that have become these cultural memes or uh, ideas, right? And say, oh yeah, remember in Stranger Things when da 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 da, and that is kind of related to X, Y, and Z. And so then you have a reference point for people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what becomes so powerful yeah so yeah. i see that being um so and then back to memes for a minute like that's the beauty of a meme is you can encapsulate all of that within one picture mm-hmm. yeah you know
0: and, and it's also exactly. kind of uh softening the blow for people for, for when this stuff this technology when this when this truth does come forward right uh people are aren't going to be shocked through kids like, oh I saw that on Stranger Things, like Bingo. years ago. Yeah, you know? or or I remember hearing about that somewhere, yeah. not yeah. remembering
2: that. Oh, that was on Alex's news feed that he had all these memes <laughs> about or whatever. Yeah, you know?
0: sure. <laughs> so, uh, one of the other things going back to the algorithms, is I he- I know that the, the algorithms can't pick up comedy. You were talking about the little dot. The yes, good point. But, but I wanted the, to touch on that. But the comedy aspect of it, uh. I don't know as much as you know about it, so I'll let you take over as far as I'm well
2: it's it's pretty short and simple in the in the fact that um with AI that it can be extremely intelligent to the point that it can predict what you're gonna do like, you know, next Tuesday at six PM, you know, you're gonna be picking your nose or whatever. But at the same time, like it can't reproduce humor. So you guys remember Star Trek, the next generation? Remember Data? Love right? sergeant. Oh Yeah. yeah right like humor was something that just didn't land well on him or yeah. you could try to mimic humor but it really didn't fly never landed yeah you exactly. never did it yeah and so that's the beauty plus it's a for me i found it as as being with i mean good lord i made probably tens of thousands of memes at this point but um <laughs> it's a way in which you can have creative expression you know and that is something that is so unique to humans that all of us, I think, can be tapping into. Whether you're making memes or you're a writer or a painter, it doesn't matter. But for us to really um, strengthen this muscle of creative expression, I think especially now on the planet is so huge. And for us to limit how much uh, fear-based information that we're receiving. So even if you do watch the news, like for example, something I'm telling folks in my life who are still doing that I'm not saying to to stop getting because in the the immediate pushback is well how am I going to get my information I've got to stay on the pulse of what's going on yeah and so if you can slowly transition into let's say getting it online you can still go to CNN's website for example and you can read articles but you're not going to get the same Um, neuro-linguistic programming and the kind of lull, zombie lull that comes from these people who are very skilled in terms of sharing it verbally with you with the words that they choose. And then you have more choice when you're reading an article, how long you stay on it, what you decide to click on next, etc. While at the same time still kind of covering yourself in terms of getting information. Um, So there's that piece. But um, yeah, go ahead.
0: When you're reading an article, you can, you, can you can feel if it resonates or not. That's right. Which, which you don't really, if, if you are succumbed to the programming, you don't really have that ability when you're watching the news. That's right. I mean, just very intentional. Not mm-hmm. all of us, anyway. To the
2: point that, I mean, even colors that are chosen, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I that's mean, a it's, big one,
0: actually. Color therapy, yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, for example, um, like Fox News, they found that if you have an American flag waving in the background, you're gonna have a much higher retention to that audience base. Um, but CNN, you'll rarely, if ever, see that format.
0: Interesting. So, mm-hmm. You were talking about creative expression. How yes, yes,
2: yeah, so creative expression. And um, so that's kind of, uh, well, there's, there's two things for me of why i like well there's probably a whole handful i could have a whole nother show with you guys talking about my love for memes and why <laughs> but uh one of those is it has now become a, a form of creative expression for me that i love but the other one here is it becomes a form of empowerment because when i was first um exposed to kind of a, a lot of the corruption and evils that were going on in the world i was always interested in that you know i mean i remember listening to um do you guys remember coast to coast with art bell Oh yeah. oh yeah. Right. So I love that as a kid, I listened to it. with My mom sometimes, and you know, they talk about ghosts and aliens and shadow government, all these sorts of things. And I was just transfixed as a kid. Um, and so, you know, my awakening kind of on that level started very early like middle school. Um, but what really kind of was, a, there were several pivotal moments, but one of them was watching a, um, a documentary called war is a rich man's trick. And I can't recommend it enough. It's about three hours long. But as I often tell people, I I give them kind of a warning ahead of time. And I say it's a red pill suppository style because it (laughs) goes into so much depth so quickly. And it was more information than I was really ready to handle. And so I went to this tailspin because I was so new to all of this of, wow, here's all this information that's coming out. And I didn't have a frame of reference or some sort of orientation to process it all let alone having a group of people that I could talk about this with. Um, Aaron, when I came on the podcast after DOD, one of the things that I had mentioned when reflecting on the conference was the fact that when you start learning this information about how, not everything, of course, but so much of what we've been taught is untrue. It's not factual. And when you start kind of going down these rabbit holes and sitting with this discomfort, because it's like, well, but that's not, accurate you know that's a lie like uh, a, a very easy one to go to is um, uh, JFK and the assassination and how when Trump released some of the JFK files there is a document released in there that said um, I believe it was from the FBI or CIA that referencing how there were multiple shooters that there were multiple shooters it wasn't a theory it was kind of a fact and another one that was in there was two different documents talking about Hitler and how in 1952, I think it was, there was uh, one correspondence of this uh, agent saying that he believes he that, that Hitler's still alive and that he's in, I think it was Argentina.
0: Argentina, yeah.
2: Yep, and then there's another document showing a microfiche picture of Hitler. So, and this was kind of um, tucked away inside of this bulk of JFK files that are released. So those two smoking guns right there Um, have you come to this cognitive dissonance of but if that's the fact then what I've been told is not accurate and so you're at this forced choice point of what do I do do I just ignore it or do I say "Eh, whatever I'm sure I've been lied to about everything and then we gloss it over and then we go on living our life on the surface or do we kind of sit with these more difficult truths and kind of go deeper and when you do that it's a very difficult decision it takes a lot of thick skin even mentally kind of do this. And so you're learning another language is my metaphor. And so you're learning Greek and then you have to be careful about who you start speaking Greek to because the average person on the street, it's a double whammy. Not only Mm -hmm. are, have they not been exposed to this language of Greek and and learning these different words, let alone sentences, right? But then you have this other layer of now absolute um, anger or a pushback or definitely some sort of Uh, label from an emotional perspective of like uh, guilt or shame or um, just confusion, right? Of like, how could you even be speaking Greek? Because I've only learned Turkish and maybe English, right? And so I don't like Greek what? And so it puts you in this kind of box where you feel so isolated because it's like, but I have documents that I can show you that this Greek language is accurate. And it's like, they don't want to hear it, you know? And yeah, so this is where you almost have to go through this inner transformation of like retooling or uh, reformulating your life of how you view everything that's upside down in this Alice in Wonderland world that you live in. And on the other side of that is so much more beauty because you connect with people on such a deeper layer to so now I'm at the point that, yeah, I can still do small talk if I need to, but I feel like it's a waste of my time, just like watching most TV and movies is a waste of my time. I'd rather be learning or watching a documentary or connecting with other folks who've also gone on this journey
0: that you can speak Greek
2: to, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I think I think every one of our listeners is gonna resonate with what you just said. Mm-hmm. We've all experienced that. And we learned the hard way because you do go out with an right. excitement. You want to talk about it. I just learned yeah. this. Can you believe this? And That's right. You not Get the feedback you're expecting yeah yep it becomes becomes difficult but that's
1: most people that hear that and are like oh that's either interesting or maybe they even resonate with it like i've heard something similar to that before or um they would normally kind of be on board with it but they're afraid of people thinking they're weird or crazy
2: Mm-hmm. So this they so community will just keep
1: forward. quiet and not say anything and then you think right. no one cares about it. But really, there are a lot of people they just don't, they're too afraid to say anything.
2: That's right. In public. That, that, that's where, you know, I think there's really two anecdotes to work with this. One is going to be awareness, because the more education that you have, the more information that you have as is, is a weapon or a tool to understand this then you're not as lost because you have a framework in terms of how this fits in. Sometimes I think of it like a puzzle piece that if you're trying to get a bigger picture and you have some of the puzzle pieces, you want to have a way in which you can say, okay, well, well these are kind of colored together. Do they fit? Does this, does this resonate some or not? You know, Sometimes you might have puzzle pieces that you think fit and go together and then later on as you're putting this mosaic together then you realize that those two pieces don't fit mm-hmm. or this was a puzzle piece from you know another puzzle which might be like disinformation for example sure. and so eventually you start seeing this larger picture of how it all fits together right and that can be very empowering when you have that but the other factor here is absolutely crucial and that's community and i can't emphasize that enough right hence the you know again where we go when we go all that when we're able to connect with other people who are on their own journey as well that it becomes so much more empowering because you're not speaking greek by yourself in the bathroom looking in a mirror you know that you have other people who are starting to learn this language and that's really where the magic starts to happen and that's how we start moving in to what's next when we can start uh, getting together so there you know for my life what i've done is Uh, You know, really focused. I mean, it started in in, uh, destroying the illusion in Jordan's group and um, eventually becoming such a top poster in there that people got to know me a little bit and then getting this label of meme God because I love making memes and kind of standing out that I felt a sense of connection. You know, we all need connection. It's a a fundamental uh, emotional need that we can't thrive in life unless that's met. And then sure. from there, having the offshoot with uh, my brother, Angel uh, Galindez, who, who makes memes with me and um, starting meme gods. And, um, you know, so community online is my point, And then having community locally. So if you can try to reach out, whether that's through DTI or some other source of finding people who also speak Greek, that can help you feel not alone on a whole nother layer. And then going to conferences uh, is another one. Because then you get to meet new people and um, hear speakers and and all of that. And DOD was amazing for that, no question. But one other point I want to get back to real quick is uh, with memes and this creative expression. So one is, uh, for me, was humor that I found that's so empowering from a vibration standpoint, right? Because we create with our vibration and we know that Uh, where we are with our vibration based on our emotion. And so when you can get into a high vibe state, sometimes these are called flow states. Um, When you're making a meme or you're collecting memes or reviewing memes or whatever, you're kind of swapping them with other people that uh, it's a wonderful way to not stay in the doldrums of number 1 the information that we're learning but number 2 kind of the the fear porn that's being expressed right oh my god the marines have been called to active duty or oh my god you know here's the latest deal with what the media is saying that it's all negative it's all fear based it's all low vibration and so memes are a fantastic way to raise our vibe but the other one for me and this is the one I'm really wanting to be emphasizing is that we start to change our internal narrative so it's no longer okay, well, here's the storyline, here's how things are gonna evolve, that we're able to kind of uh, reframe that, we're able to switch it. And when we, we can practice the skill, this is one of the skills in, in my book of reframing, thinking about things in a new, more empowering way, that is an absolute game changer for our life. This idea goes back even to the ancient Greeks, but reframing is, is something that cannot be overstated. And memes are a powerful way to do that because you're doing that, not always, but many times through humor. And so that's a really big uh, point of what memes uh, bring to the table. And this was something that Simon and I did at our workshop uh, at DOD, which was so much fun. We had a a game that we had folks kind of participate in, in terms of um, how do you change that narrative? How do you create a series of memes that starts to either mock or make fun of the traditional narrative or can propagate and really push this new way of looking at things.
0: Yeah, Aaron was telling me about that. It sounded actually uh, really interesting. Uh, it it was, was a blast. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's. Pre- I think that was awesome. Um, we're going to have the
2: video up on YouTube soon, is my understanding. Uh, we took our own video of the uh,
0: workshop. Oh, cool. So
2: nice. Up.
0: So I guess we're going to start wrapping this up. Okay. I think I have a million more things I could say we could talk forever. Sure. Uh, we're gonna to have to just do this again another time. yeah uh, before we uh, before we get out of here, is there any uh, announcements you want to make, anything you have coming up? I know your online course, is there anything you want to touch on? and how can people reach you if mm-hmm. if you want to put that out there?
2: Yeah, so um right now, where I'm at is I'm ninety percent done, uh, which is really exciting to get to this point of organizing all the material within all the chapters uh, in the proper order that I want to. Once that's done, then I'll use that same outline for the book and turning that into the course outline and then recording those and packaging it up and uh, putting it up on the online platform. So my goal, I don't know, I always kind of, I'm careful with timelines, but I'm thinking my goal is by the end of the year to have that um, fully done um, so where folks can find me is um, I have a professional Facebook account. It's Dr. Alex Bloom. and I post, uh, probably no surprise, a lot of memes. They are many times psychology related uh, or you know, just funny ones that I find. Um, so that's kind of uh, one source. And then um, you know you can always message me on um, Instant Messenger. On um, Facebook Messenger. And then, um, so my website is drdralexbloom.com. Um, right now, I don't have anything up there kind of related to the course quite yet, but I eventually will. And I'll be putting together a new website. So it's kind of all very exciting. But for those kind of listening to this in the future, those are uh, some of the ways in which they can reach out. I'm awesome. Also on Twitter, at dralexbloom
0: well nice uh, yeah thank you so much for coming on this has been incredible honestly uh a lot of the stuff was said tonight that, that people are going to enjoy so good. Uh, i think this is gonna thanks for having uh, me on. i think this is going to be perceived well good by a oh, lot yeah. of people um uh, so yeah it, it's been great talking to you and uh, i guess we're just going to go ahead and close it out unless you have any last words for anybody or good get- <laughs>
2: No, if, well, I guess what what I would say kind of in closing is for those of you who might have an interest in making memes um, to know that there's definitely uh, a platform and a need uh, for that, especially as kind of we move forward with what's next with taking place um, globally in the world that uh, memes, you know, over time it can initially can seem intimidating in terms of, well, how do I make those things? Uh, But you start to get into a rhythm in terms of how you think about that. And there's really just two aspects to it. One is finding a a catchy or a funny picture. And then the other is thinking of some sort of short statement that corresponds to that with whatever message you're trying to get across. So if you're interested in making memes, um, it might take a little bit of practice, but our YouTube workshop video will kind of cover the logistics in terms of, of how to make memes. And uh, you can reach out to me if you're wanting assistance with that. But uh, I think that's a great, and this is another point to kind of add to all of this. This is a great way for everyone to be involved with the change. And that's probably the most exciting thing. The most important message of this entire podcast is to know that we are at a pivotal moment in human history. And it's so exciting for us to see uh, in, in our own country, this second American revolution that's taking place. But even when we look at it from a global perspective, all this change that's happening and that we are a part of it, guys. We are kind of the, 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 the tip of the spear, if you will, in terms of ushering all of this in. And so if you're wanting to throw your hat in the ring, there's so many different ways to do that um, just by having conversations, even by going within, better managing your own vibration. Um, but memes can just be a, another vehicle to do that.
0: Sounds to me like you need to make a... That needs to be your next online course. And yeah. i make memes.
2: <laughs> I'm also on YouTube. Um, I have just a couple videos up now. Um, so you just type in my name to YouTube and you'll see that, but I'm wanting to get back into it. Um, I really have two um, angles that I'm wanting to explore. One is I went to Egypt this past spring and that was a fantastic, very mystical and spiritual experience. So I'm going to be doing commentary on my trip. Uh, and then also kind of talking about all these uh, ideas within psychology in more depth. And eventually I'll have my own podcast, but uh, I'm gonna be putting up videos on YouTube. So just type my name in and you can subscribe and follow and I'll have more dank information coming out soon.
0: <laughs> all, right. Yes. all right, well, uh, we're gonna go ahead and close her out then. Uh, thanks right. for coming on, Talk good night, everybody. Don't forget to mind. like and subscribe. Check out Alex's YouTube page, its website, take his online course, make a meme, make a change. Uh, God bless you. We love you all. And good night.